You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. South Sydney fans, they're not happy. They say the Roosters are ticket price gouging. So. They've been charged nearly double the amount of, for a ticket in the uh, Rabbitoh Supporters Bay for Friday night's game at Allianz Stadium. So the details are this. South fans being charged $90 for an adult ticket compared to a usual price there of $50. So an 80% price hike. When I heard this this morning and read this this morning and went through the details of this, this is the part that jumped out at me. Roosters CEO Joe Kelly said Friday night's game is, quote, one of our tier one games. I said, hang on a second. Okay, one of our tier one games. Aren't we in a regular season? So what determines a a tier one game? Joe Kelly said tiering of matches based on opposition and demand is a standard practice across many clubs and codes. And then pointed out that the pricing for this round is actually less than round 25 against Souths last year, where almost 42,000 turned up for the opening of Allianz Stadium. Again, a regular season round that was highly uh, higher priced than this one. So let's try and get our heads around this and let's try and take out, I'm happy to dive in, but if we take out the fact that Rabbitohs fans here say, hang on a second, we're paying more for where we should be and where we want to be, they've offered them a 10% discount. Let's have a look at this issue of tiers for regular season matches. Should a club be able to determine what tier a regular season match is, and how on earth do they do that? Should all regular season matches be categorised equally? Should they not just be sitting there on equal footing? Now, the Anzac Day game is 100 bucks a ticket. That goes into the standard practice that they're talking about, about demand, supply and demand. We get that. I get that side of it. But based on opposition and demand and the club saying, we think that this is a tier one match, can somebody help me by explaining to me what a tier one match is throughout a regular season? It's a fair argument to say, yes, Rabbitohs, Roosters, rivalry, no doubt about it. It's as big as you're going to get. There's a fair argument to say that Manly Para on Thursday night, whilst if they're in different ends of the uh, ladder at the moment, surely that's got to go down as a higher tiered match under this kind of system. I I can't get my head around it because I thought the regular season matches were all on equal footing. You don't get four points if you win this one. You get two. It's exactly the same as every other regular round. Now, if the demand's there, then certainly you can start to have a look. But who determines what is a Tier 1 match, a Tier 2 match, a Tier 3 match? I don't know. What if Souths and the Roosters were both 0-2 this going into this one? Like I say, Manly v Para, with all of their history, for instance, the best seats in the house, as far as I could find this morning on Ticket Tech for Four Pines Park on Thursday Currently at about $70.
You go to the grand final rematch in round four, Eels v Panthers. You're looking at $115 for Combank. So I'm happy to dive into the argument about whether we're paying too much or too least, uh, the, the least amount for tickets, whether there should be discounts for supporters' bays, all of that kind of stuff. But what do you think? Is the regular season on equal footing? Or should clubs be able to determine what's a higher tier match and what's not? When we look at the game in its entirety, we say, you know what? State of origin. There's your higher tiered match. Finals. There's a higher tiered match. Grand final. It's the be all and end all. Tickets should be hard to get. They'll be more expensive. But throughout the regular season, I don't know how this one sits. It seems to me as though they're just cashing in on the fact that they know they're going to get a good crowd. 0457 736 736 is the text line. If you take party lines out of it and you look at it in that perspective through that lens, I don't think it makes sense. Let me know your thoughts. As I mentioned, the Roosters have now re-signed or re-signing James Tedesco until the end of 2025. This news broke last night, an extra 12 months. Uh, he was set to become off contract at the end of 2024, but will now be there until the end of 25. He'll be 32 years of age by the time that deal expires. If Teddy goes around again in 2026, he'll turn 33 just before the season starts in January. So it's a good deal, obviously. And the Roosters have reacted well here because even though this does start to play out in the media, surely it starts to build and the Roosters need to put out the fire before it rages. Obviously, the questions around Joseph Swali'i and Joey Manu now pop up. And I guess there's a little bit of crystal balling here because what happens and, and who do you prioritise when you get to the end of 2024? So Tedesco's there till the end of 2025, sorted, no problems. No one's got a problem with that whatsoever. And what he wants to do after that, well, we don't know. But both Joseph Swali'i and Joey Manu come off contract at the end of 2024. So say Swali'i signs with rugby for 2025. Say he leaves the Roosters at the end of 24, he goes to rugby. Remember, the British and Irish Lions Tour in 25, followed by the Rugby World Cup in 2027. They're going to throw everything at him. Absolutely everything. And they'd be mad not to. So say he goes. And say Joey Manu does another deal elsewhere for 2025 and beyond, and he goes. And then Teddy's left standing for 2025. So if you're the Roosters, who do you prioritise and how do you play this one? Do you give Joseph Swali'i some one-year rolling contracts here to keep him in the mix? Do you promise him a fullback position earlier on? Do you say to Joey Manu, hang on a second, there's some big money coming He'll be 28 by the time his current deal expires, but we, we're going to need you. What if? It's the great what if. If you want to play some money ball on that one, let me know. 0457 736 736. Should the Newcastle Knights consider standing down Kalen Ponga? Well, the Sydney Morning Herald's chief sports writer and, of course, a feature on this program on a Wednesday morning, Andrew Webster, has written, the Knights should err on the side of caution and look uh, to stand down their skipper, for an indefinite, indefinite period of time. So he suffered another concussion on Sunday afternoon. We covered this at length yesterday. And 
Webby in his article has said that if the Knights do stand down Ponga, the NRL is unlikely to award them salary cap dispensation for the season. He is, of course, re- reportedly earning um, north of $1.3, up to $1.4 million this season. So if the Knights err on the side of caution around a topic and an incident as sensitive and as unknown as concussion, what is the NRL then uh, need to do if they put their hand out and say, well, we have to because you're telling us this is so serious. We can't afford to mess with this. Do we get dispensation? Matty Johns on the roundup yesterday had this to some, uh, had this to say when it comes to concussion. And basically Matty's point is we should only listen to the experts. It's a really sensitive one to talk about and have an opinion on. At the end of the day, Caelan will go away and he'll be assessed and they'll, they'll go from there. As far as people, I, I just think it's out of line, people having opinion. You know, I've had people say, do you think it's all over? And I said, well, that's got nothing to do with me. Oh, how many head knots can he take till he's got to give it up? Oh, well, look, at the end of the day, he'll get he'll get assessed medically and things and, and the club and he'll go from there. And I agreed 100% with Matty on that yesterday. In, in this case, you have to listen to the experts and the, the game has to listen to the experts. But should there be incentives for clubs and players to err on the side of caution? Because caution appears to be, at the moment, one of the defining plays in all of this concussion debate. We don't really know where it all leads and what uh, the major ramifications are. I mean, we've got an idea, but we have to be cautious about it. The game wants to be cautious about it. The game's cautious about it every single weekend. So if a club says we're erring on the side of caution, what does the game do in response? And can clubs be trusted when it comes to salary cap relief? Perhaps that's a different argument. If you want to buy into that, please do so. The Knights, well, they've got a player crisis for this weekend. They've got the Dolphins on Friday at McDonald Jones Stadium. And I'm finding it very hard um, to tip against the Dolphins going three from three to start the season because the Knights have only... 28 spots in their roster filled for this year and up to 10 will be unavailable. Adam Clune could have been an option to cover for Ponga in the halves, but he failed a head injury assessment in the New South Wales Cup at the weekend and is unavailable. Unavailable is the big word. Adam O'Brien, excuse the pun, has some pretty big headaches to sort out today for Teamless Tuesday. So Josh Schuster is set to return from a calf injury for Manly and line up in the halves alongside Daly Cherry Evans for that matchup against the Eels on Thursday night. And we'll follow the course of that throughout the day. And, of course, Joel and Fletch this afternoon will have all your team news ahead of round three. So make sure you stay tuned to SEN Cricket. Australia v India, it ends in a drawn match. Uh, Travis head out yesterday for 90. Manus Labashane 63 not out. And Steve Smith 10 not out. They couldn't get a result, so they wrapped it up. Out of all of it, Nathan Lyon ends up becoming the most successful overseas bowler in India in history during this series. So he's now got 55 wickets over there from 11 test uh, 11 test matches. Derek Underwood, the next best from England with 54 from 16 tests. And the great Richie Benno um, took 52 wickets over there from eight tests. So it now means the World Test Championship is Australia v India locked in at the Oval starting on June 7th. Steve Smith, a huge fan of this World Test Championship finale, says it adds another dimension to the game. 
I think the World Test Championship is such a great thing. Um, you know, every game has relevance over a couple of years, and um, you know, it came down to today, uh, the the New Zealand Sri Lanka game, when New Zealand just got over the line. We, we saw the, the Indian players come out on the field after lunch, I think it was, and um, and just shake hands in you know congratulating each other on, on making the finals. So. You know, it's going to be a, a great game. India are an unbelievable opposition no matter where they play. Um, you know, they've obviously beaten us the last couple of times coming to Australia. So, you know, the Oval um, is probably as close to Australian conditions as you get in, in terms of pace and bounce for English conditions. So, you know, I think it should be a really good contest and um, we're all looking forward to it. So one of the big questions here is what type of pitch do we get? I mean, we know what type of pitch is the, the we can offer up here in Australia. And our curators are always going to uh, lean that way, if I can put it in that perspective. And we saw what happened over there in India. They'll lean that way. So what type of pitch do we get at the Oval with the curator over there? And the playing conditions for the World Test Championship final, well, it's pretty simple. If there's a draw or a tie, both India and Australia will be crowned joint winners which is not what we want. They'll have a reserve day to make up for any lost time throughout the regular days of the final. But it got me thinking this morning, with everything that's been going on in the world of cricket, what about if we just put a a marker down a bit earlier? Would you like to see this? Tell me what type of pitch you'd want to see in the first place, a slow turner or a green seamer. Do you want to see an early match wrapped up or do you want to see one that could peter out to a draw and they both get a trophy Or do they look at trying to force some sort of result here and put a marker down early? And so you've got four days. We're going back the other way where we stretch it out and stretch it out. But what about trying to force a result? Because history, modern as in very recent history, is showing us that cricket teams around the world can push the envelope now in test cricket. We saw it yesterday when New Zealand won by two wickets on the final ball. I'll play you the crazy audio of that a little bit later on. Uh, Brandy did a great summary of how that wrapped up yesterday. It was manic is the word to describe it. So we'll play you that. In the NBL, Sydney Kings v New Zealand Breakers, Game 5 of the Championship Series tomorrow night at Kudos Bank Arena. Jimmy Smith's going to have the call right here on SEN. Right here on SEN. Uh, He'll be joined by Tommy Garlip and Oscar Foreman from 6 o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time for the call. So we'll have more on that. Scotty Bailey will join me soon to talk rugby league. Daniel Dixon is the chairman of the North Sydney Bears. Has anything changed in the last week since the reports on Sunday about the expansion plans of the NRL? Bryce McGain to cover all our cricket. And as we always do on this morning, Simon Hill, the host of the Global Game, We'll talk football with us. 0457 736 736. There you go. Ticket prices. Teddy re-signing. Should the Knights be compensated if they stand down Kalen Ponga? And what type of conditions do you think we could put on Australia and India to force a result in this World Test Championship final? Be the first caller, the best caller, and you'll get a Signet Boost Power Bank. one 1170